Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. This is the show that is here on BYU Radio each and every week, and it's all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in the entertainment industry. And I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we love entertainment. That's right. And we like to start off each show by giving you the very best in entertainment news. And boy, we've got a lot of great news to start off your weekend today. Jeff, are you going to start with what you're most excited about? The movie that you've been looking forward to ever since you saw a first trailer. We got another look at it. No, we didn't even get another look. It just said final trailer. Ooh. And I'm trying to uh, trying to prevent myself from continually watching it so that I can just enjoy it when it comes out. It, I thought course, you were going to say you were trying to contain your excitement, but you're obviously not doing that. Oh, no. So. It, it looks fantastic. Uh, it's Joker coming out October 6th, I believe. And uh, Cole and I will be seeing it and telling you what we think. In just a couple more months, summer is winding down, and that's what the show's kind of going to be about today. We're going to take a look back at our predictions for some of the summer movies that happened as we look towards the fall and the Oscar season that awaits us. And another big movie that a lot of people have been waiting for, which has – they've done a really good job keeping it under wraps as far as the details are concerned. But if you – are a fan of Breaking Bad and you don't feel like you got enough and Better Call Saul still isn't enough for you, well, there's Emmy good news. Emmy nominated Better Call Saul. That is true. There's good news because there is kind of a semi-secret Breaking Bad movie that they just released a trailer for and it will be released October 11th. So you don't even have to wait that long. And is this going straight to Netflix or is it on AMC? So Can I see it on the big screen? It'll start out on Netflix and then it will be released on AMC. So not going to the big screen that I can think of or that I haven't read anything about that. That's what I love about Netflix is that when you finally get a trailer for something, you don't even have to wait that long. It's like released next week. All right. So, yeah, you don't even have to. There's there's a little bit of anticipation, but not enough that you go stir crazy. Cloverfield Paradox, still my favorite thing that Netflix has ever done. Not a great movie, okay. but like <laughs> during the Super Bowl, they put out an ad that said, hey, go watch Cloverfield Paradox. Literally right now, it's on Netflix. Check it out. There you go. And that's yeah. the first anyone had any seen any of it. They don't mess around. It's a different strategy, but it kind of works for them. I like it. We'll see how long, how much longer that can work for Netflix. So, um, here's an interesting movie that's coming out. I never would have imagined this as a movie. Are you a chips fan, Cole? Do you like some chips? I am a salty snack fan more so than a sweet snack. Fan. What about a cheesy chip fan? Absolutely, the cheese puffs, the cheese balls, the Cheetos, the cheese whiz, the cheese everything. What about flaming hot Cheetos? They're they're a little too hot for okay. my taste. All right. So listen okay. to this. Are you familiar with the actress Ava Longoria? Of course, of Dora the Explorer fame. It surprised me <laughs> to know that she has done quite a bit of directing, mostly TV, mm-hmm. and she is tapped to direct a biopic about the guy that came up with Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Now, Jeff, you know that I am not a biopic fan. But right. when you find just such... An encapsulating individual, as I'm sure the guy that invented the Flaming Hot Cheetos is. 
then I must watch it. There's there's so much potential here as far as marketing goes, though. Think about it, Cole. On every bag of Flamin' Hot Cheetos, they could have one of those promotions where buy one, get one free to see the Flamin' Hot Cheetos movie. Or with every movie ticket, you get some Flaming Hot Cheetos. Right. And these some of these movie theaters now are starting to – I went to the movies uh, recently, and somebody turned around from the concession stand with a bucket of – Cheesy popcorn with Cheetos sticking out every which way in the bucket. So there are endless possibilities here. Jeff, that sounds like a great idea. The next time we go to the movies, we need to get that so you can eat the popcorn and I can just eat the Cheetos. I I wouldn't. I'm not a big cheese popcorn fan. Okay. Well, I'm just not a popcorn fan. Okay. I was thinking I could I could get some Cheetos and you could still have it, your bucket. If you drowned it in enough uh, butter, then I might be able to oh, yeah. swallow it. This sounds like a worse and worse idea the more we talk about it because I don't want butter on my Cheetos. Okay. Well- Let's call the whole thing off, which nah. is from a musical. And speaking of musicals and Richard Linklater, because just a couple weeks ago you saw Where'd You Go, Bernadette, mm-hmm. directed by Richard Linklater. Uh, a few years back, he directed a film called Boyhood. Nominated for plenty of Oscars. It was innovative and got a lot of fame for taking 12 years to make. Now, it's the one that got a lot of fame, but his before series was also done over the course of time. Filmed one movie in the 90s, then with the same two characters and two actors came back years later and then did a third one as well. And let's get back to the original musical reference because he's going to be directing a musical next. And he's just going off the rails, Cole, because he's going to take 20 years to direct this musical. The sequel's always got to be bigger and better. Right. And the musical in question is Merrily We Roll Along. Blumhouse has their hands on this movie. Uh, Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's because... A 20-year commitment is probably daring and gutsy, and there probably aren't a ton of uh, film houses that or uh, production companies that want to commit to that. But, but if there's a studio yeah. that can figure out how to make a good movie on a micro budget and figure out how to make it work with Linklater, it's probably Blumhouse. They're known more for their horror, of course, um, and horror is a relatively cheap genre to make. This will romance as well. Not a lot of special effects normally. Good on them. Good on Richard Linklater for doing very innovative things in filmmaking. You know, we're going to be talking about this later on in the show, but when it seems like the only movie out there these days is a remake, a big blockbuster film, a sequel, a reboot, it is kind of refreshing to at least see some innovation in the style of filmmaking, you know? Yeah. I can appreciate that. And, you know, when I am 56 years old, I look forward to seeing this movie. Oh, goodness. And just to give you some perspective of just uh, how crazy this will be, 20 years from now, Richard Linklater will be 80 years old when this movie is finally released. It's crazy. It's a commitment. Yeah. Anything else going on in the news that we should talk about, Cole? Yep, I mean we mentioned Richard Linklater, so it's a role. One of his the the movie that kind of got his face on the map was Dazed and Confused. Yep, and a person that he just dug out of nowhere, um, no acting credits before, just to kind of be himself in that movie was Matthew McConaughey. He has since been in all kinds of different movies, from the blockbuster to the indie fair, um, plenty of commercials, and just kind of being himself. 
he is also a big University of Texas football fan and just fan in general. He has now been employed by his, you know, his team, his university, as a film professor for the University of Texas. Yeah, and I understand that he's done dabbled a little bit in teaching there in the past. But yeah, now, and I don't know how long he'll be teaching there, but gosh, I can't imagine it will be easy to get a seat in that class. Oof. I mean, I'm sure there are there are probably people that will switch their major to acting or film or television just so that they can take a class from Matthew McConaughey. I Ma- wouldn't mind. Academy Award-winning Matthew McConaughey. That's right. Among other things. Yeah, that is huge. That's that's exciting. From the indie fair to the big budget now, Disney has dominated all summer long, uh, thanks in no small part to their Marvel franchises. And the Sony Marvel riff that we covered last week is going to take just a pause now as they re-release Spider-Man Far From Home so they can just get a couple more bucks out of you. You know, speaking of getting a couple more bucks out of us, wouldn't it be nice if they were willing to give us a couple bucks back in our pocket? Wouldn't that be great, Cole? Yeah, but that's not the movie business. I know, but Disney is also going to be November 12th releasing Disney Plus on the world. And, you know, as more and more information comes out about Disney Plus, I'm getting more on board with this. I was excited to know that... It was only going to be seven bucks a month. Okay, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I was excited to know that it was going to have all of the Disney movies that we buy. Like, we go out and buy them individually. So this could save us a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of new series that I might be interested in, including The Mandalorian. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the right. continuation of the Marvel story. And. I was most intrigued when I found out that you could download this programming remotely, which is really when you have young children, that's why Netflix has been such a lifesaver because you don't want it you don't want to use all your your data streaming all these movies when you're in the grocery store on Download a road it trip. to the device and take it with you. Right. But this one, Cole, could be the capper of of great news coming out of Disney Plus. Through Labor Day. If so you, act now. Right. Through Labor Day. And I just want to make sure that I get this right. If you sign up for their D23 Yeah, so you have to club, get an account first with the D23 Club. But you can which be- Which is free. Yeah, you can be in on the free account. Mm-hmm. And if you act now through Labor Day, you can sign up for two years and get the third year free. So if you do the math, it comes out to like four bucks a month. Yeah, if you thought seven bucks a month was on the cheap end for an entire streaming service, now you know you've invested three years, which is a little bit of a commitment. But yeah. if anyone we know is still going to be around in three years, I think it's going to be Disney. So basically, don't go fine. see any more kids' movies from now on, and just pay the four bucks a month and watch them at home with your kids. Interesting. Are you going to take advantage of this? It's, you got to make a decision this I, weekend, Jeff. I am very tempted to do it. I. It's probably likely that I will, Cole. I am personally waiting um, the 13 bucks a month when you toss in Hulu Plus and ESPN Plus as well was just too good for me. Uh, this deal, we must remind, is just for the Disney part. You can't, like, parse right. it out. And so I'm just going to wait for them all to be packaged together and do that. But okay. if, you were, if you're just, you know, the parent with some small kids and Disney's what you're going for, this might be the way to go. The only other bit of news that we I guess we could talk about is that – 
Eddie Murphy's starting to show up in more and more movies these days, and he's actually revisiting a movie he did decades ago with Arsenio Hall that was a huge monster hit back in the day. We are doing a Coming to America 2, and... When he was wait a minute, you're missing the very the most important part here, Cole. It's called coming to with the number two oh, America. Sorry, it's been done before. Dumb but... and Dumber Two T O is probably the best <laughs> sequel title I've ever seen, especially when it was the third one, right? Yeah. Although I I do like uh, I believe Disney Plus has a series coming out called High School Musical the musical the, the musical series. the series oh yeah very clever i'll be watching that as well once i <laughs> get my disney plus and espn plus and hulu plus and the world plus but in coming to america uh it's going to bring back louis anderson one of the stars from the first well he was in the first one and when he was walking off the set he said this movie is going to make a billion dollars which is a bold statement to make because as you may have remembered coming to america was rated r there's never been an R-rated billion-dollar movie yet. And certainly not just a, a funny comedy. I'm sure it'll be good. Um, it might be even really good. But a billion dollars is a little much. And, and Jeff and I know that because we've been monitoring the box office all summer long. We know what it takes to be a billion-dollar movie. And apparently it takes a little bit of that Disney magic. When we return, we are going to see where everything landed, who came out ahead, and uh, who's going to be buying pizza or who's going to be buying movie theater popcorn? That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to the show. That is, unfortunately, the last time you're going to hear that music, for oh, this segment anyway. I'm going to play it a couple more times today, just <sighs> just so we can hear it. Good. It's, it's Jeff and I's favorite piece of music, and it also means we're talking in the box office. This has been reserved kind of for the end of the show each week during the summer, but today we're wrapping up the whole summer and putting a bow on top. Cole and I made some crazy predictions, and now we've got to see who was right and who owes the other person some food. Yeah, we should. Let's lay out the stakes first, then, Jeff. Um, when we go to the movie theaters, we each have our personal favorite snacks to eat while watching movies. Jeff's is popcorn. I, I, it's, it's, it seems unnatural, maybe even a little inhuman for me to not have popcorn at the movie theater. Something I've kind of had to get, get used to when I go see movies with you. But what I've definitely gotten used to in a good way is the theaters out here in Utah that give me a whole pizza before I watch the movie. Mm. And so that's my go-to theater snack now. Okay, so we, one of us is going to owe the other our favorite movie snack. That's right. At the end of this block, or at the end of the segment in the show, we're going to find out who it is. So let's ta- let's start off by talking about the movies that we thought would be in the top ten, but ultimately were not. Yep. So for me, I thought, you know, that this franchise had a pretty good track record. So I thought, you know, and there's a kind of a reboot feeling to it, although. Uh, ended up not being a reboot because it had a lot of the same actors in it. Dark Phoenix, I thought for sure, would be in the top ten. Not even close. 
Not even close. It was number 15 of uh-huh. the summer. Made only $65 million. X-Men, I knew. I knew it would just be down there because it's the last one before Disney takes over. It's already a rehash of X-Men 3, The Last Stand, where they do this Phoenix saga. I was staying far away from that being in my top 10. I'm proud of that prediction. I'm even more proud of one that I was also wrong on, but I thought Rocket Man would make the top 10, and I was so, so close. It just was outside at number 11, um, a movie that we will talk about um, when we get into the top 10. Just passed it up at the end of the summer here, but for so long it seemed like I would have Rocket Man. And what was the other film you thought was going to be in the top 10, Cole? It's one that you thought would be there too, Jeffrey, and <gasps> it's another franchise oh that we thought goodness. was pretty good. It has star power with it, with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, and of course... It's the disappointment of the summer that was Men in Black International. Again, not even really close. It only made $79 million. Didn't cross that important, that all-important this summer, $100 million mark because as we broach into the top 10 now, these are all $100 million grocers where everything 11 and down made less. It's a very clean-cut line this yeah, year. I'm really surprised that Men in Black International did not make more money. I I mean, it was probably a forgettable movie, I'll grant you that, but it was fun while you were watching it, and it was certainly better than some of the other movies that did crack the top ten. If it had been just a Men in Black 4 starring Will Smith, do you think it would have made a little bit more? Um, yes, I absolutely mm-hmm. do. And I think I agree with you, because another Will Smith movie is going to be in this top ten It's a little high, though, on the list, and we're going to start at the bottom, going up. (laughs) Okay, Cole, I'm excited to see who comes out on top of this one. And we should mention how we're going to score this whole thing. Um, If you predict the movie to be in the correct position, 1 through 10, you get 3 points. Okay. If you are 1 off, you get 2 points, and 2 off, you get 1 point. That can be a little confusing, so let's use an example. Number 10 was Godzilla. King of the Monsters. Yes, thank you for saying it like that, too. A movie that before the summer happened, I thought would be the 10th best movie of the summer. I was perfect. I get three points. Well, I mean, let's be careful about the word perfect, Cole. <laughs> um, y- you you guessed correctly, we'll just say. I've guessed one out of one correctly so far that we've talked about. Okay, <laughs> and so you get three points, and I looks like I'm going to get two points because I put Godzilla... At number nine, and I put X-Men, Dark Phoenix, whatever it's called, at number 10, which wasn't even in the top 10. You don't get any points for that one. But I do get two points, right? Yeah, we are all winners here in this room, though, for Godzilla, because a lot of the other lists I saw, we're we're not the only folks in the media world that predicted Mm. the box office. Many other people were a little higher on Godzilla than we were, but we came out correct. And by the way, you saw Godzilla, King of the Monsters. What did, did you think of it? It was okay. I mean, I th- <laughs> I liked the first Godzilla um, a little bit better. Gar- directed, Matthew Broderick? Directed by Gareth Edwards, the okay. 2014 Godzilla. The Matthew Broderick 1998 is not exactly a Godzilla movie hmm. for any reason at all. This has Godzilla in it. He does fight Ghidorah. It gets all the monsters that we love. Um but in the end, the story and, and the plot and some things that I really do enjoy about movies just was not there. And the action wasn't quite enough for me to love it. Okay. So in the number nine spot, 
is one of the upsetters. We have a hmm. film, and I, I want to highlight the fact that this is the only film on this list of top ten summer movies that is an original script, not based on a book, not based on a movie previously made. It's not a reboot, a sequel, a prequel. It is an original movie, and it is the Quentin Tarantino movie, his ninth movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, made $125 million. A movie that neither of us thought would be here. Uh, it came out of nowhere and, and spoiled our list. Well, it, I think the problem for me was it just came out so late in the summer that I totally forgot about it, you know? The movie I thought would be in the top 10 that wasn't Rocket Man that I already mentioned, I thought it would be here at number nine. It was the only original movie on my list that I predicted. Um, and it was right there until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came up and, and knocked it out. And really, the Tarantino brand is almost a franchise among itself. Like, yeah. this isn't... It is an original movie, and I give credit for him for coming up with another movie. But it's got the Tarantino name for it. That's that's how it made some money. And maybe you and I didn't think it would make very much money because his last movie did not make very much money, Hateful Eight. And that could be the fact that... Or it could be because people don't really see Westerns anymore, even if it has the Quentin Tarantino stamp of approval on it. Anyway, so that was the number nine spot. It's rated R, so we're not going to spend any more time on that. Uh, how about number eight, Cole? Oh, uh, this is one of my favorite to talk about. It was Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Hmm. Okay. And this is one that I did not see, but I know that you're just tickled pink over. Oh, I, or pinkle, I was... Or you're tickled Pikachu, maybe. There are a couple pink Pokemon okay. as well. Tickled Jigglypuff. Tickled... Okay. <laughs> I... I was That's a me. Fan if you try to of... poke me, I'll be a little Jigglypuff. <laughs> I I loved Pokemon when I was growing up, and I watched all of the Pokemon movies that were animated, and and even like in the early two thousand, mid two thousands on the internet when people started designing what live action looking Pokemon might look like. Some of them were kind of horrifying, but this movie found a way with CGI to make them still look cute. And believable in a real-life world as a young little Pikachu, voiced by Ryan Reynolds, befriends this kid that doesn't really like Pokemon. It's a real, like, iRobot kind of concept where okay. he's kind of prejudiced against who he ends up having to team up with to solve a crime. Huh. Um, and and I love their dynamic. I love Ryan Reynolds no matter what he's doing. And his voice is the best part when he does voiceover for either this or the voice that comes out of his suit in Deadpool or whatever it <laughs> happens to be. Ryan Reynolds is always entertaining. And it touched my little nostalgia buttons. And I enjoyed it. Now, where did you place Pokemon on your list? Same place as you did, Jeff. We oh, were unified really? in thinking this would be the sixth best movie of the summer. Dang. A little higher than it ended up being, but we each get... One point. Okay, so so far you have five points. Four no, point. no, no, four points, mm -hmm. and I've got. I'll take got, five if you want. I've it. got three points. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not in too bad shape. I'm just one behind you right now. Hmm. Okay, so number seven on the list is another franchise movie, and it is Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. The ninth of these Fast and Furious movies that we've gotten. Right. And I'm excited because I actually put this one at number seven on my list. So Oof. I get three, right? Three points three for points. Jeff. Yes. Taking the lead. Yes. Okay. So that means that I've got... Help me do the math here, Cole. 
I've got. Do you have six points? Six points. I thought this would be more in line with the other Fast and Furiouses. I overestimated how it would do. I thought it would be number four. <gasps> I get zero points. Yes. Jeff's in the lead. Six to four. Oh boy, I can smell that movie theater popcorn already. But Jeff, I saw this movie. Okay. And. I still think it should have done a little bit better. It is the most crowd-pleasing movie I have ever seen. Anyone that that gets into these Fast and Furious movies, they just sit back and give you exactly what you want. You want quipping between The Rock and Jason Statham? It never stops. You want ridiculous action that defies the laws of physics? It is all over the place. You want a a Samoan dance in the middle of your movie um, before they go and fight guys with guns with spears? You got that, too. It Mm. is just chuck full of stuff and and i thought it would do a little better at the box office okay well it still sounds like an entertaining movie and one that maybe i had to go see but do i need to have seen all no. other eight movies before i see it no 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 no. this is truly a, a standalone story featuring two characters that just happen to be in the other movies okay you just need to know when helen mirren shows when dame helen mirren shows up in this movie <laughs> she's playing jason statham's mom well, I'm always looking for an excuse to just sit in a dark room and eat buttered movie theater popcorn. And, and you uh, might get your chance. I might get my chance. Way. You might. I might be eating it for free, which makes it taste even better, by the way, I might add. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number six is a film that I have seen and I cannot unsee. It is a film called— I've been so excited <laughs> about the movies that I saw and you haven't, and now— We've moved on to Secret Life of Pets 2. 2. I I had higher hopes for it, even though I did not like the first film, uh, because Harrison Ford was in it, and everything that they showed of his from the trailers I thought was pretty funny and clever, and right in keeping with this resurgence of Harrison Ford roles that we're seeing in these movies like Secret Life of Pets 2 and Anchorman, where he's kind of just giving in to this old grumpy persona that I guess he's kind of being known for at this point. We need a Grumpy Old Men 2 starring Harrison Ford then. Right. Um, This movie's not doesn't really work as a movie. It's more (laughs) of just like a bunch of sketches thrown together. So it really is what the trailers made it out to be. These little vignettes of pets. It's a bunch of vignettes. It doesn't work as a movie. But I guess kids will like it. My two year old that I took to see it couldn't really stay, you know, sit still for the whole thing. So Hmm. didn't work for him either. Um, so somewhere between 2 and 36 years old, you'll find somebody that likes it. <laughs> gotcha. At least $157 million worth of people went to see it. Uh, it ends up at number 6, as we said. Uh, I thought it would be 5. I get 2 points. You thought it would be... 4. And only 1 point, but you're still in the lead, Jeff. Okay. I just thought it would make... Based on how much money the first movie made, I thought it was going to be a monster normally hit. make more money. Right. Yeah, and I was way off. So I don't know what did it. I don't know if it was Louis C.K. not being in the movie. That can't be it. So I'm not sure what happened. I think it's just been a while since we had the first one. They the... had great marketing for it. I just don't get it. I don't know, Cole. So, yeah. Okay, so now we're... I'm still ahead of you, right? Yes. Okay. At one point. So neither of us are going to exactly jump ahead with this next one either. Because neither of us... I don't know what we were thinking. Neither of us thought that John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, Parabellum. would crack the top 10. We knew it existed. 
And we knew that the other two movies had done well enough to warrant a third movie. But yeah, number five. And John Wick Chapter 3 made $170 million domestically. That is huge, especially for an R-rated film. And huge enough that they're going to be making a Chapter 4, who knows what that one's going to be called. And, and you mentioned the rating. And here on Screen Cleaning, we do try to keep things family-friendly and focused on what you can enjoy on the screens with everyone in the family. But also the box office normally keeps track of this, too. Uh, you know, our interests aligned for a second where it was two R-rated movies that surprised us by being so popular this summer because normally we like to talk about the family-friendly, but also it's normally the family-friendly that makes the most money. Not the case here. Not the case this year. Right. So I am excited about this number four pick because I think, Cole, this could be the nail in the coffin for you. I can smell that movie theater popcorn right now. This is one that you doubted. You doubted so highly. And I knew that Aladdin, despite all of the haters on social media for Will Smith being blue, uh, which I don't understand why that was such a big deal in the first place. Aladdin was number four. It was a monster hit. And apparently was is Will Smith's highest grossing film worldwide, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it no was matter his, how good Independence Day or any of the Men's in Black or this any is other, his only billion dollar movie, right? This is the Will Smith billion dollar movie as what, the genie. It's surprising that he hasn't had a billion dollar movie until Aladdin. It it's is. crazy. I mean, it made so much money at three hundred fifty three million dollars. So much money that. Disney is taking a look at making a sequel, which is not something we've seen yet for the live-action Disney movies, with the exception of maybe uh, 102 Dalmatians, which also, is not – we don't consider that in the the DCU of Disney, Disney live-action <laughs> movies. There also will be another Jungle Book 2, which did make a lot of money as well. And later this year, we're getting a Maleficent 2, if you right. want to count that you know side story about a villain in the Chronicle of Live-Action remakes as well. Say the number again though. How much did this movie make? 353 million. That means And how much did number 5 make? Number 5 made 170. So that's a jump. Less than half of the number 5. John Wick 3 made less than half. We are now into the elite money earners. Okay, have you been have you been keeping a tally of the score here Cole? I well, just want I... to remind the audience that uh, Cole might be done here. This might be the end for you, Cole. Aladdin was number four. You thought it would be five. I thought it would be eight because I thought that the summer was only big enough for one Disney movie. Turns out the summer was big enough for all the Disney. (laughs) And so now you lead in this little little race. 11 to six. Oh, it's over. You are, it's over and done with. Stick a fork in Cole because I can eat that popcorn. I can smell it. Oh, my goodness. And okay. At least I won't. I mean, I don't like popcorn anyway. It's not like I'll be asking to share the popcorn I'm getting you. All right. So I get it all to myself yeah. is what you're saying. Big old bucket. Okay. Take some home with you. Now, let's get to the top three. Not that you have a prayer, but let's just finish off the list anyway. And the top three is kind of where not a lot of moving and shaking can happen because right. we knew that these three would be the top three. We both shared these top three just in slightly different orders. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. Okay. I'm excited. Number three, Spider-Man Far From Home, which made $380 million and really counting because 
They're re-releasing it with four additional minutes, so it'll make a little Blue. bit more money. Um, it, I don't know if it'll crack $400 million, but uh, I think if people knew that this was going to be Tom Holland's last MCU movie before it came maybe, out, it might have gotten even more. Maybe, yeah. So number three, wait a minute, Cole. I, I didn't have said that it would be number three. Wait a minute. I had a different movie at number three. I had Spider-Man Far From Home at number two. So that puts me at... You now have 13 points. I have nine. 13 points. You've got nine points. Okay, mm-hmm. I still got a comfortable lead. Spider-Man, though, my favorite movie of the summer, honestly. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Spider-Man is a character I've made... I've not been shy about talking about here on the program, and I love Tom Holland's iteration. It's so ingrained... It, it managed to be the movie after Endgame, which is just the biggest deal in movies ever, and and changed the world, and yet still managed to be integral to the MCU in how we're, you know, picking up the pieces after Endgame, and continued to tell its own story with a really good protagonist and a really great antagonist, and it did all all of that together um, in, you know, in keeping true to the character of Spider-Man, which is really all I, I ever wanted. I might have to agree with you. I think I, I have a hard time deciding which movie I liked better, Toy Story 4 or Spider-Man Far From Home. But there were two really fun summer movies that, you know, I they demand repeat viewing. Nice. Okay. I'm excited. There are only two movies left. I have a very comfortable lead over Cole because I have 13 points and Cole has nine. I mean, and, I think you only have 11. What? I'm. I was re- as you were talking about Spider Man. I was recounting. I think I counted Spider Man twice for you here. What? It's 11 to nine. You're still in the lead, Jeff. What? You can still do this, Cole. Cole. Sorry. We might need to run this by our numbers people. Mm. I think I'm the numbers people. It's questionable, of the Cole. Show. All right. So apparently I don't have that big of a lead. 13 to 11? Yes. <sighs> no, 11 to 9. Oh, okay. Still two points, though. Two point difference. Okay. Number Those two. Those keeping track at home are probably going nuts because we haven't been keeping track even here. <laughs> number two, Toy Story 4, which I had put as the number one movie of the summer but it only made it to number two. It still made a whole lot of money, more money than I thought it would make, $427 million. And as you mentioned, if not Spider-Man, this was your favorite movie of the summer? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely the best kids movie. Really, it was the only good kids movie that I, that I remember seeing this summer. And uh, yeah, $427 million. I would say that this is still the least of the Toy Story franchise. I agree. But again, the least of the Toy Story franchise still did extremely well, and it's still a great movie. One that my kids have repeatedly said, that's our favorite Toy Story movie. And they could not stop talking about this movie when we got out of the theater. And middle-of-the-pack Pixar in general is always better than whatever Illumination's doing or most of DreamWorks and some of these animation studios. I I feel very similarly to you about Toy Story. Maybe just a little bit less on my list, but yeah, we we both agree the first three Toy Stories are very good. And I remember when you reviewed it in the first time, it really does just belabor the goodbye again. Mm -hmm. It feels like we just did this with Toy Story 3, and now we have to say goodbye to someone different. I already gave you my good goodbye. Now, so this new goodbye is not going to be as good. Oh, hey. Yeah, see ya. Yeah. 
And now yeah. if we get a fifth one, we'll probably have to say goodbye to Buzz and have that be the last half hour of that movie. And <laughs> I, I'm, my emotions are just draining. I don't have enough to give you Toy Story. So where did you put Toy Story 4 on your list? Well, I, I did say it would be the number two movie of the summer. I was correct. So I get Seriously? three more points. So it all comes down to this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So that you would mean- You have 13. I have 12. Oh, n- oh, boy. It is all up to Lion King. Okay, Cole. Um, oh, no. Because I put Lion King at number three on my list. Where did you put it? At number one. Uh, wait a minute. I was winning this whole time. What happened? That that top three. Okay, but I'm still winning, right? I get three points for Lion King, bringing my total to 15. And I get... You get one for Lion King, bringing your total to 14. In the end, I came out victorious. Oh, my goodness. 15 to 14. You're telling me there was one point... That separated our lists. Just one little movie here or there, one shift. Oh man! I think this both. I think this is a win for both of Curse us. Curse you, Lion King! As Hulk once <laughs> said, "I see this as an absolute win." We both did a really good oh, job on our lists, Jeff. No. Oh, so I'm gonna have to buy my own movie theater popcorn, is what you're saying? And and a pizza. Oh boy. For me. Well, I guess congratulations are in order, Cole. You had four movies that you guessed on the nose. That is, that's amazing. Including all three of the top three. Really, wow. that top three, we both knew they oh. would be the top three. Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man, whichever order it was in, we knew that would be your upper crust of movies this summer. It ended up being so, and it Can was you- just the difference of me getting those three in exactly the right order. Are you purposely putting in, like, pizza puns to rub it in my face? You said upper crust. Yeah. I mean, if I was, it'd be really cheesy, so I would avoid that. Whoa. Cole, Cole, come on now. You can. You know what you can do with your pizza and your crust? You can stuff, stuff it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've really gotten to the meat of the matter, the meat lover of the All matter. All right, I think Of that, this summer movie. It. It's these I'm top three. I'm walk out of the room. I still haven't seen Lion King. I don't know if it was worthy wow. of getting that top you spot get that I thought it would. Then. <laughs> anyway, good for you, Cole. I congratulate you. I guess the, the silver lining is that I get to maybe have a slice of the pizza, maybe? Oh, of course. Oh, good. And we're going to the movies together, as we often Whew. do, Jeff. It's always a good time. Okay. Well, good for you, Cole. I congratulate you. And there's always next summer, right? That's right. Well, when we return, we're going to be sharing with you some of the lesser-known films of the summer that we hoped would have done better than they did, but that are still worth seeing, and some of them are even out in the movie theater still. So that's up next on Screen Cleaning. You know, Cole, not all of these movies that we mentioned being in the top 10 summer movies were movies that we thoroughly enjoyed. In fact, there are some movies that we wished would have been in the top 10 because they're really gems that more people should have seen, or at least movies that 
you know, we thought had a chance of getting in the top 10, right? That's right. And we want to shine a spotlight on some outside the top 10, including we just want to mention we also gave a couple honorable mentions before the summer of what we thought could get close or what had an, an outside puncher's chance of getting into the top 10. Uh, I mentioned Annabelle Comes Home because I am the horror movie fan of the table here um, between me and Jeff. And I know that those movies do well. It's part of the Conjuring Cinematic Universe. We did already get La Llorona uh, earlier this year. La Llorona. I I was waiting for it. Okay. Um, There's no good song really that goes with the third (laughs) Annabelle movie. uh, And it was just outside the top 10. It came in in 13 behind wow. Rocket Man and Men in Black, a couple other movies I thought would be in the top 10. So the the top 11 that I thought would be were all in the top 13. It was just John Wick and the Tarantino one that cropped up on me. Okay. You know, a movie that I don't I can't picture any other movie trailer that I saw more often than the trailer for yesterday. They marketed this movie so well and for so long that I I was surprised it didn't make more money. However, it was made for $26 million, and Cole and I figured out that $10 million of that was to pay for all the Beatles songs that they featured in the movie. Um, But it made $131 million worldwide, and overall, domestically, it was... Number 14, made $72 million. It's still out in theaters. You can still see it. This was a thoroughly enjoyable movie. And I know a lot of people took issue with the fact that maybe the concept got squandered a little bit toward the end of the movie. But it, it I would see it again for sure. And it helps that I'm a huge Beatles fan. And so the entire movie, I was like, yes. And you're just astounded as the movie goes on and on through all these different songs just how many great songs that they wrote. And it's so much fun to listen to all these songs once again on the big screen. There's another movie that uh, that came out right around the same time. Similar kind of theme. Uh, also starred, had an Indian uh, actor in the lead role, Blinded by the Light. This was a movie that had a lot of marketing as well. This movie it was crickets at the box office. For the office. Bruce Springsteen fans right. instead of the Beatles fans. Blinded I mean, I think by the light. that makes sense that more Beatles fans showed up at the box office than yeah. the boss. Blinded by the light did not do well at all. Um, my wife and I did see it, and I asked her after the movie was over, what do you think? She's like, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> now, she was up front with me going into the movie. She said, I'm not a Springsteen fan. And I think I realized as the movie went on and on, I'm really not either. <laughs> I wasn't really familiar with his music, and there wasn't really anything there to make me go out and buy any of his music. But it did make me think, man, I need to start listening to more music because the character in this movie is just so influenced by his music and just music in general. And I think they try to instill on the audience how what great power music can have on people. Nice. Loosely based on a true story. Yesterday, not loosely based <laughs> on a true story. That exists in a world where what if the Beatles never happened, right? And they did. Right. Blinded by the Light ended up at 42 for the summer, which goes to show you that there were 42 movies released just in the past four months of summer. Um, actually, there were more, and one of my favorites of the whole summer was a little below it at 44. It only 
has brought in $7 million so far. Mm. Still in theaters, though. It's Linklater's Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Okay. That's one I, I need to see as well. I haven't seen it. I haven't read the book. You talk about the, the power of music being the message of Blinded by the Light and really the power of art and, and what an artist is, is the message of Where'd You Go, Bernadette. She was a very successful architect early in her career when she was younger. Um she fell in love and started a family and and she really loves her family and she's very invested in her daughter's life and she seems like a great parent but there's just something been missing in her life when she stepped away from her art she hasn't been giving it the time that it needs and over the course of the movie she falls in love over again with that artistic and creative process while bringing her family into it this time, they can all coexist together, all of those worlds. And it's a really great message and, and a really heartwarming and funny and greatly acted movie. Uh, I want to give Cole the opportunity to um, humble me a little more because I had chosen kind of a dark horse movie that I did not put in the top 10. But I thought there's this movie's probably got a chance of, uh, of doing quite well not not so much a chance and it didn't it didn't the while i said annabelle comes home would be right outside jeff was talking about a movie called brightburn which is kind of the dark tale that what if superman came down and had all these powers but was a bad guy i mean a very interesting concept one that in our day and age you would think it would have done really well people go for those types of concepts it didn't they didn't it only made $17 million at the box office, 34th of the summer. Hmm. Little little outside the top 10, Jeff. Uh, right. Eh. Just beyond your Where'd You Go, Bernadette, though, is one more movie that I have to mention. It's still in theaters. In fact, each and every week, it seems like they're adding more screens to it. And it's it's one that you ought to check out. I will mention that the language is pretty strong in it for a PG-13. Most of the language comes from Shia LaBeouf. But uh, it's just such a great story of friendship and inclusion and getting this message out that, you know what, let's not be limited by our limitations. Let's let's just go for our dreams and make them come true. This is The Peanut Butter Falcon, a movie that was difficult to finance because no major motion picture studio wanted to finance a movie that was about a Down syndrome man. Starring a Down Starring a Down syndrome man. And uh, it's just a delightful uh, movie about, like I said, friendship and the power of friendship. And Shia LaBeouf. It gives a great performance in this as well, as does Dakota Johnson. Thomas Hayden Church has a part in it. And even Bruce Dern has a small part nice. in it as well. One that you should check out, The Peanut Butter Falcon, PG-13, still in theaters. And, uh, yeah, great messages. I love the movies movie. that come out of nowhere, right? That just kind yeah. of surprise. Because we all knew Disney would do well this summer. But mm-hmm. things like Where'd You Go, Bernadette and Peanut Butter Falcon were, were below the radar. I think if you'd asked us before the summer, though, what was maybe our most anticipated movie, we both had scary stories to tell in the dark pretty far up there. We'd been talking about how much we liked it. Neither one of us thought it would make a ton of money, and it, it didn't. You know, it, it was right about where it. I think people thought it was 16th for the summer, $51 million, but a movie that I really did enjoy. I thought the visuals were beautiful. That's That's what they had to nail. Um, and they did based on the book series with those horrific illustrations. Yeah. And 
I loved a lot of the scares in it. They they got it off quick. The Harold the Scarecrow was absolutely terrifying. Um, and I don't think it let up until the very, very end. I thought it was a real good scary movie for most of the movie. They do set it up for a sequel. Which, yeah, uh, that's where it falls off the quality cliff. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if it gets its sequel because right now it's at about seventy-three million worldwide on like a twenty-eight million dollar budget. So that's cutting it a little close, especially for horror standards. Uh, horror movies are generally made for less, a little money. bit less, and end up making a little bit more. But yeah. it's it's right in that awkward place. They did leave it on such an egregious cliffhanger that I think <laughs> they have to make a second. Um, and the second one, it might be another Secret Life of Pets 2 place where there yeah. just wasn't enough hype for the first one. Not enough people are excited for the second. You got to give them a lot of credit, though. I mean, this movie was based on banned children's books from like the 90s, 80s. And each story is like a page and a half of right. source material that they're pulling from. Yeah. And they're trying to bring them all together in one cohesive story. There were going to be some faults and flaws, but... Overall, I liked the product. Yeah. Well, there you have it. It's been kind of an interesting summer. Not necessarily as strong as a summer as I hoped for. But like I said, there's and maybe that that's just not sour grapes. That's just I mean, look at it. But uh, still a few movies that it sounds like I should go out and see. Like, where'd you go, Bernadette? And I'll check out The Peanut Butter Falcon and yeah. eventually Lion King. Okay. Well, when we return, as you know, we like to eat end each and every show with our panning for good segment where we dig a little deeper to find that little nugget of goodness in entertainment. That's up next. Well, as mentioned previously, we've had a fantastic summer at the movies. And, uh, yeah, but what do, where do we go from here, Cole? I'm, I'm not sure. This is this really is the last time we'll hear that fun little song. Are, are you sick of it yet, Jeff? No, no. This, this can help me go to sleep, even. I can go to sleep to this song. I, I love it. We'll, we'll bring it back next summer, probably, but in the meantime... We got to figure out, you know, we, we kind of had this system where every single time at the very end of the show, we keep you updated on the box office. Do we keep talking about the box office for the rest of the year? Do we Meh. start looking forward to the Oscars? Each week? Yeah. So we'll we'll think up something <laughs> to talk about and, and at the end of each show. But one way we end every single show here on Screen Cleaning is by panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. <laughs> this summer was the summer of Disney, and you didn't have to pan very deep down in there to find that gold. But last summer, I remember Jeff and I talking a lot about the documentaries that happened. And so I want to shine one more light on the three great documentaries that all came out last summer, in case you missed them. Last year was huge for documentaries. Last year was the year that got people wanting to go see documentaries. It was, I remember saying, I don't think I'd seen a documentary in theaters yeah. until 2018. 
And so what are the three in question here, Cole? So there was my favorite, which was Three Identical Strangers. Oh, my goodness. The story goodness. about the triplets that were separated at birth. And as the story goes on, you, you find more and more out. And it becomes maybe more and more nefarious. And there was more going on than meets the eye than these three guys that turned out to have so much more similar than just the appearance of their face. Yeah. And I was blown away by this movie, too. It's just... Just what you get one piece of the puzzle all throughout the movie, and you, it's just astounding what happened. I am a huge fan of those twist and turn documentaries. Yeah, yeah. And so, so okay, there was three identical strangers. Won't you be my neighbor? Yes, absolutely. Thanks. I was asking. Um, that was a great one. That okay. That was, I think, I remember reading all sorts of comments on social media about that movie's trailer, just the trailer, and how much people were crying just watching the trailer. That movie had people so excited to go to the movie theater and see a documentary and pay full price for a documentary. And it didn't disappoint. Fantastic movie. And we bring it up again this year because we already have a trailer for the Tom Hanks movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, also based on the life of Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And then the third documentary that you want to recommend from last summer, Cole? There was Free Solo. Oh, yeah, the great Star Wars spinoff movie that blew everything up and put things on hold. Well, there was also Free Solo, the documentary about the rock climber oh, out in El okay. Capitan and Yellowstone National Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, there was that. It seems like so long ago, but only a year since Solo, A Star Wars Story, kind of shook the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Every once in a while, we'll get a huge, well, not every once in a while, quite often we get... These great big blockbuster movies that really demand to be seen on the big, the biggest screen you can possibly find. This was a documentary that needed to be seen on the biggest screen that you could find. And I've got to admit, I saw it on, a, on an IMAX screen and I, w- I had sweaty palms throughout the entire movie. It's kind of unnerving watching this film about this guy scale this giant mountainside that Without a rope. Without a rope. Yep. It's insane. It's, and it won the yeah, it won the Oscar for it's best the Oscar winner from a great documentary year. It was produced by National Geographic, one of the lesser known parts of the Disney Plus family right now. National Geographic. Oh no. Will, <laughs> Don't tell me. Say it ain't true. It'll be a part of but it means that when you get Disney Plus inevitably, you know, when you do decide to take advantage of this little Labor Day thing, you'll get some uh, National Geographic content as well out of that. Okay. But And one last thing I want to say towards documentaries, there haven't been any of these big ones yet this year, but I'm going to pledge to try to take a closer and deeper look to find where the documentaries are this year, because I did enjoy them so much. I kind of refound my love for these telling of true stories. We don't need to dramatize everything. We don't need to insert, you know, the tropes and the trappings of movies to tell a really cool story. So I'm going to I'm going to go look and I haven't seen a documentary yet this year in 2019. I want to change that. You heard it here first, folks. Cole Wissinger is on a mission to see more documentaries in the year 2019 and beyond. And beyond! That's right. Toy Story 4 reference. To infinity. Yeah. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. As you know, we are here each and every weekend on Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on BYU Radio. You can also find us, download our podcast anywhere podcasts are found, stream us live on BYURadio.org, and just be sure to join us next week. Until next week, this is Screen Cleaning. Screen Cleaning.